0: Bidzi Small Business Society, number 143. You're listening to Bidzi Small Business Society. I'm Rob Barrisoff. We talk to small business owners about what makes their small business successful. Connect with Bidzi Small Business Society at bidzi.com and grow your business. Monthly subscriptions start at $14.99, that's $14.99 per month for unlimited access to new customers and unlimited bidding at bidsy.com. Email rob at bidsy.com for more details or start your 30-day free trial now at bidsy.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bidsy Small Business Society. Today I am chatting with Stuart Knight. Stuart is an award-winning entrepreneur, powerful keynote speaker, and critically acclaimed author of two books. He has presented to over 1 million people and is hired by the world's biggest companies to help them reach new levels of success. Stuart's message revolves around creating powerful relationships, and he challenges you to boycott what you thought. And we will find out what that means in a few minutes. But first, welcome Stuart. Can you first tell us more about yourself than about what projects you're working on today? Well, thanks for
1: having me, Rob. And I'm really excited to be on your show. And congratulations to you with uh, all of your success. It's not easy to get these podcasts up. They don't just happen overnight. So it's great that you've even been able to create this. So I'm I'm happy to be on your show. Thanks, man. Appreciate that so much. It means a lot. My pleasure. My pleasure. So. You know who who am I? What am I about? It really, when it comes down to, it, I am a guy that does do everything he can to try to help people boycott what they thought, as you just said. And for me, that might be with an event, that might be with one of my keynotes in the corporate market. It might be with a blog. It might be with a, a video I put out there. Um, it might be with one of my with one of my books. But everything that I put out there is really to test and to challenge. The way people think, and to really get them to wrap their heads around the possibility of expanding themselves in ways so that they can be happier in life, to be able to be um, more successful in their jobs, to be able to be better moms, better dads, better partners to their to their uh, to their loved ones or to their friends, and to really essentially engage life in a way that I believe most people miss. And so the most common way that I'm doing that now is with corporate keynote speaking. I do travel the world as a speaker and and, uh, and I'll get, I can get into that a little bit later on if you like. But um, the other way that I do that is with my, my big events that I produce um, mainly in the city of Toronto. But yeah, it's all about the idea of expanding yourself and really boycotting what you've been told is real and what you told you should do with your life
0: and to actually ask yourself, what makes sense for me? And that's really what it comes down to for me. And Stuart, in business and in life, I think it's important for us as entrepreneurs and just as people to test and challenge the status quo. And I think that's part of your message. And you're a highly sought after keynote speaker. But Stuart, take us back to those early days of entrepreneurship. What were you doing? What skills did you cultivate, et cetera, that morphed into keynoting and writing? Right. You know,
1: great question. And and for me, I I had my head shoved so far up my own ass 20 years ago. (laughs) I thought that I was the be-all and end-all. I thought I knew uh, what what it was meant to run a business. I thought that I had the greatest speeches. I thought that, give me a year and I'll I'll be, you know, rolling in the cash. And uh, I believe there's probably quite a few entrepreneurs that go through that, especially when they start as young as I did at around the age of 19. And so I'm 43 now and so I've been doing it since then. And, you know, for me, um, I had this idea that I was going to go out there and I wanted to do speeches that were going to motivate people. That's all I knew at the time, and and I made every uh, classic entrepreneurial mistake. Um, I went out there and I took out uh, big loans that I thought I'd easily be able to pay off. Um, I went out there and I would, any idea that I had, I would just go do it. Which I think, on some level, is amazing because it did teach me quite a few things. Every time I made a new mistake, it was just one new way of not to do it. And one new way of, uh, being able to figure out how to do it. And so I don't regret any of those mistakes. However, um, there were quite a few of them. So, uh, when I first started out, it was basically with the intention of going out there and hopefully motivating the world. And then, um, and then from there, you know, Just trying it out and trying to make as many mistakes as I could in the beginning. Now, i am got to be honest with you, Rob. I think I've completely forgotten your question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess what I asked is, uh, you know, I I want you to take us back to the early days of entrepreneurship and some of the businesses that you sort of had your fingers in and how that sort of morphed into what it is now today, Stuart.
1: Ah, okay, okay. I, I appreciate that. This is what happens when uh, you're running on on fumes. So, <laughs> look. So, listen. I was a I was an entrepreneur at the age of ten. I remember um, thinking my friends and I used to love you know putting ramps. Uh, in the road. And I'm sure you did that yourself. And you take your bikes and you jump off the ramp.
0: Bikes, skateboards, whatever.
1: Yeah, skateboards are the best, right? And so I thought, well, why don't we charge our neighbors to watch us because we're so awesome at this. And so I would go around the neighborhood and I would tell them we're going to be doing a a ramp jumping show. And you can all line up on on our uh, front lawn with your lawn chairs. And I charged everyone 10 cents to watch me and my friends uh, jump our ramps off of, off of our bikes off of ramps. And, uh, I would then split that money up and we'd all go to the store and buy little packages of gum or candy. And that was my very first entrepreneurial uh, experience. And then when I was 12 and 13 years old, I kept seeing all my friends going off and getting jobs during the summer at places like McDonald's or whatever it might have been. And I didn't want to do that. So I started my own little, uh, lawn cutting company and I just easily went around to house to house. And uh, I would put little, uh, Flyers, and these flyers were literally just half pieces, pieces of paper with just some text on it saying, "My name is Stuart Knight. I'd love to cut your lawn. I'll do it for whatever—ten dollars, twenty dollars." And I started getting enough clients where that I would ride around the neighborhood on my bicycle, dragging my parents' lawnmower behind me, uh, and I would go and do these the, the lawn cutting. And then you fast forward to when I was nineteen, twenty, and I I, I read my very first motivational book, and I was so inspired by. Um, these ideas that a person who's ordinary and I saw I saw myself as just being an ordinary dude that you know I could actually do something extraordinary and no one had ever mentioned that to me before. I never thought that was actually a real thing. And so I thought, well I would like to share this idea with other people And so the first thing I did was well why don't I you know go out there and write a motivational show for high school students And I specifically say show, not a speech because I thought you know I looked at the competition I thought mainly it's just a bunch of white guys. Uh, and I'm a white guy, uh, and they're getting up there, and they're just doing their, their 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 classic motivational speech. I said, "What if I created a show, and what if I brought some ethnic diversity into the show, and what if I brought some female uh, persuasion, if you will, into the show?" And so I created a three person show, and it was all about these motivational messages. But now it was actually like a it, part speech. part part entertainment, where there'd be times where we'd be rapping and doing poems and we'd be doing sketches. And How old were you at this point? Now I'm about uh, 20, 20, 21 years old. And uh, and the students were loving it, but what ended up happening was the teachers and the principals and vice principals of these schools, they loved it just as much. And I thought, oh, wow, that's interesting. I never wrote it for you guys, but that's interesting that you're getting as much from it as the students are. So that's when I got the idea. I thought, well, what if I were to take more adult concepts uh, and, and with respect to motivation and self-development and what if I wrote another show but an even bigger show and that was when I got this idea to write uh, a motivational musical and so I wrote this motivational musical and I was going to bring out all kinds of adults from the city of Toronto at that time and I ended up uh renting a loft um, where I, would, I thought, well, I can't afford a theater, so I'm just going to get a really big loft that's, you know, had the crap beaten out of it and doesn't look so great and nobody wants, and I'll, I'll live in it and I'll build a theater in it at the same time. And so I built this theater, uh, and that is, you know, when I say theater, that's a stage and a few lights and a little backdrop, and I started inviting adults to come out and see my motivational show. And that would happen every single Saturday. And I ran that show for about four and four and a half years. And when I was doing that, all of a sudden, all these different adults who worked in the corporate world, they'd say, wow, I really like the way that you're doing this motivation. Do you do anything for the corporate market? And I was like, I don't, but hell, I'll do it. <laughs> and that was when I started writing uh, corporate keynote speeches. And so that's the trajectory. And now that the corporate keynote speeches is the main thing I do today, of course, I've written a few books along the way and and and, and started producing all these different events. But, you know, usually it was always just what I always say to people. Like, I always say start anywhere because anywhere is a place and anywhere will lead you everywhere. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, they they, they try to, be able to see the entire 20 year plan and because they can't see it they don't start and for me if I try to look at the 20 years that I just kind of gave to you in in three minutes I wouldn't have started either because it would have seemed too monumental but if I just looked at just producing one little high school show and hope that a few high schools in Toronto will take it that's starting anywhere and then two leads to four and four leads to eight and before you know it, you've got adults who like your show and then you write a musical and then next thing you know, you get this idea to do a corporate show. And then along the way, every, every time I ever had an idea, I thought, well, let's just try it and see how it goes. And as long as you don't lose your entire shirt and go bankrupt, which almost happened on one or two occasions,
0: you learn something and you go on to your next idea. Absolutely, man. You got to find your place and don't get too overwhelmed by what you feel should be that end product. You're not entitled to that end product. We need to work for this stuff, right, Stuart? That's a great point.
1: Yeah, you, you're not entitled. Just because
0: you have a good idea, um,
1: you, you, you don't. You aren't entitled to success because uh, it's like uh, over the years I've, I've hired a lot of actors and it was amazing one time uh, I just stopped at rehearsal because all the actors that were working on the show, that none of them had, had done the work. None of them had uh, taken the time to, to, as we call it, be off book, which means being memorized. Um, they hadn't worked on their harmonies. And I just stopped the, uh, the, the rehearsal and I got everyone into a circle and I said, let me ask you guys, I want you, I'm going to go around the circle. I want you all to describe to me what you think a person has to do in order to become a huge success in this business as an entertainer. And each person pretty much said the exact same thing. You know, you got to be willing to work hard. You got to put in the extra effort. You got to show up and, and work when no one else is working and you got to stay late. And they all said these, 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 um, these same things. And after I'd gone through the circle, I asked them, I said, now, I want you all to be completely honest with you. Raise your hand if you think any of you are doing what you just described. And of course, none of them could raise their hand. And it was just a way of saying to them, you have no right to expect to be a huge success in this business because of the way you approach things today. So don't ever complain that you didn't make it because the only person that was responsible for that was you. And, and the same is true whether you are an actor, a singer, an entrepreneur, or you want to become a CEO of a corporation.
0: If you're not willing to put in that work, you can't complain. Yeah, I was going to say in that business or any business. Now, I didn't want to interrupt you before, but, Stuart, what was that early motivational book that you spoke of?
1: Uh, yeah, that was um, – it's funny. I, it was, it, so Anthony Robbins, uh, Awaken the Giant Within – yeah, and uh, it's funny because today, ironically, I went to an Anthony Robbins conference about five or six years ago, maybe even longer, and I thought, God, i got to go see this guy. Here's This is the guy that started me uh, in getting excited about this business. And as much as I really appreciate what he's done, and, and I think that um, he, he's obviously uh, the most successful in the self-development industry than any other person, um, I felt myself realizing that I had grown out of the Anthony Robbins um, mentality if you will i'd grown out of or maybe i don't know could, could you consider it past i don't know um but i'd definitely grown away from that style of motivation and had moved into another style of motivation and and i felt that that was a bit of a a, a coming of age uh experience for me to to think that if this is a guy that he could have said anything and i would have done it um, and it is and it is because I did do it that I got to where I was, but then eventually I got to the point where I realized I'd kind of outgrown it. In, in fact, I was in Las Vegas not too long ago speaking and uh, I had a big audience, you know, 2,500 people, I think it was, in the, in the crowd. And when I left the uh, the speech, someone had just mentioned to me that Anthony Robbins was actually speaking to an audience of the same size above me, one floor above me in, in, the, in the Bellagio. And I thought, isn't that interesting? You know, 20 years later after reading his book, we're both speaking at the same time to groups the same size.
0: Great stuff, man. love that. Yeah, so, it was neat. Yeah, yeah. So obviously that is a great reward. But what are some of your other rewards? Why is it so great to be Stuart Knight? <laughs> well, <laughs> you
1: ask my partner that. She might not agree with you. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> she, or, or, you know, when it comes down to it, Rob, for me, it's like when you get that drug, and there's a few drugs that come along with this particular business, but I think it's true for anybody who decides to have their own small business. And that is, for me, you get an email one day and someone random from across the country you've never met before says, hey, I just want you to know, I read your book today, or I read your book recently, and today I had a conversation with someone because of your book that led us into uh, reconnecting. Uh, in a way that brought tears and we hugged and we haven't spoken in 15 years and it was because of your book that I decided to have this conversation and we're now going to be reconnected as mother and daughter or as best friends or cousins or whatever. You get a moment like that and that's a drug and you're like, wow, that felt really good. So then my mind says, well, I want more of that drug. And then you go out there and, and you and you want to just help more people. You want to change the lives of more individuals. And so, someone might call you one day and say, hey, I started my own business because of something you said on stage. Or because of you, I left a bad relationship. Or because of you, I moved to a new country. And when you get that drug, that's the thing that motivates me and keeps me going. And then on the other side, look, you know, as, a, as an entertainer, I'd be lying to say that it doesn't feel good to crack a joke on stage and have 1,000 people laugh at it at the same time. That's another, that's another style of drug that you feel and you want more of that. Um, and then there's the drug of being able to watch my partner be able to play with our uh, 11-month-old or me being able to play with my 11-month-old at 2 o'clock in the afternoon just because I feel like it. And then you realize that's a drug of knowing that because you became an entrepreneur, you get to really set your schedule the way you want to set your schedule. So all these little drugs all the time, you just get it, it feels so good, and you want more of it. And then that's really what motivates me to keep on going and just and, and to just keep being excited for those reasons.
0: Absolutely. Create those powerful relationships to create that freedom. Now, Exactly. Stuart, you outlined some of it in the videos on your site, which are really engaging and actually pretty funny as well. But uh, what do you you. mean exactly by the phrase boycott what you thought? What does that mean exactly?
1: Well, for me, you know, I think that so many of us buy into this notion of what is real and what success looks like or what happiness looks like from day one. I mean, for the first Year of your life, uh, people used to come up to you, and for the first year of my life, they'd come up to you and they'd say they'd squeeze your cheek and they would have really nice looks on their faces and they'd smile and they'd say, "Oh, Rob, oh my God, Rob, or Robert, or Robbie, whatever they would say." (laughs) You know, for me, they would say, "Oh, Stewart, oh, you're," and they'd keep saying things like they all kept saying our name over and over again. Eventually, you know, and we're never going to remember when that moment was, but there was a moment when both you and I and every other human being on the planet and everybody listening to this we stopped. And we realized, hold on, I'm Stuart. That word they keep saying, that's me. It's not, you know, something else around me. And that's the first moment in our lives that we get this identification. So I am Stuart, I am something. And then that just keeps on getting layer and layer and layer. So eventually I'm Stuart and I'm cute when I do that little dance. Or I'm Stuart and I'm, um, you know, uh, allowed to ask these kinds of questions and everyone likes it when I ask these questions. You know, and then more and more, then it becomes eventually, I'm Stuart and I've got a degree in business and economics. Or I'm Stuart and I'm in. Uh, I'm a good father or I'm a, a good speaker or I'm a good author. You know, we get all these layers as to who we think we are. But the truth is, is that we were something before all of that. And if we get too attached to these ways of thinking, and then that way of thinking can be anything. It could be, well, I'm going to be happy if I make this much money or I'm going to be important if I have that many children or I'm going to matter to society this much if I have uh, this type of job or if I live in this type of home. And we get attached to all these definitions of what happiness looks like, what success looks like, what being a good father or a good mother, what being a good friend or good partner looks like. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. It's just that I believe it should be challenged. We should, we should look at it and we should say to ourselves, okay. That's fine. That's my belief. But have I put that through the filter test? Is that really what happiness looks like? Is that what success really should look like for me specifically? And if we boycott what we have bought into and believed and allow ourselves a moment to just reflect and ask whether or not it's truly real, I think what we do is we then give ourselves the opportunity for the very first time in our lives to actually explore maybe a new definition of any category. And that definition, I believe, can lead us to greater success, greater happiness, greater joy, greater fulfillment, greater relationships, greater whatever it is that you want from life. And So we need to boycott what we thought in order to even engage in a new way of thinking.
0: So Stuart, are you saying those external forces, they might send us on a totally different, possibly undesirable path? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. You
1: know, it's funny, this is the reason why I think I, I moved away from the Anthony Robbins type motivational speakers is because I believe one of the questions they don't answer is the why. So what they'll do is they'll give people all kinds of tools to make a million dollars. They'll give them tools to go out there and be the best Olympian. They'll give them the kinds of tools to go out there and, uh, you know, be maybe a better manager. Like or a better theory, right? Exactly. Here's If you want to be those things, here's exactly how you do it. You know, you you apply this type of mentality. You do this kind of neuro, neuro-linguistic programming. You... Um, you, 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 you change your attitude this way. you you know There's all kinds of actual specific tools that we can apply to our lives in order to get that kind of success. But the problem I have with that is that no one stops and says, why? you know Why do we need this much money? Why do we feel like we need to be that much more successful? I'll give you an example. I, I, I know, I mean, I, I do well and I travel around the world and, and I get to speak to all kinds of audiences and I love my job. And I get people saying to me all the time, oh, you know what, Stuart, if you just did this and if you just did that, you could even take your already great income and you could triple it, you could quadruple it. You could be on the road, you could be speaking to even bigger groups. And you know what, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna be an Indian next week speaking to a group. I'm gonna be away from my daughter for six days. I don't like that. I love knowing that I'm gonna be speaking to an amazing group of people in India, that's great. But I don't like being away from my daughter for that long. That's one of the uh, unfortunate aspects about my job. It's, I gotta suck it up buttercup and that's you know that's the way life goes. However, why would I want, if if I'm already making enough money, why would I want to spend less time with my daughter just to make more money when I don't need the money, the extra money anyway? And I believe that's why we got to boycott what we thought. I believe that we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is enough and what is important? And heck, you know what? If I'm making a million dollars a year, I'm happy. But I don't need to make two, three, or five million dollars a year. You know, it might be something that does end up happening, but I'm definitely going to make sure that it goes through the filter system of how is this going to affect how much time I'm spending with my daughter? How much how is it going to affect how much time I'm spending with my partner or playing soccer or having chicken wing and beers with the with the boys? You know, like that's always gonna be coming in, in so into into my um decision-making process. We have
0: to understand our why. And if we understand that, it's going to affect what we actually do. Absolutely, man. Boycott what you thought by asking why. And Stuart, on your site, I watched these today. You have some great videos on. You ask people, why do you smoke? Why do you tip at restaurants? Great, great stuff for our listeners to go and check out. Uh, You won't be disappointed. Highly recommended, hilarious videos. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, you betcha. So ask why, obviously. Now, I'm going to shift gears here a little bit. What would you suggest, Stuart, to the up-and-coming entrepreneur about gaining that initial traction in a crowded and cluttered social media and marketing landscape?
1: Mm, Good good question. So I would say the first thing is um, to be very clear on what it is that you want to do, okay? Then, like we said, why you want to do it. But then the one thing to be very clear, Uh, the reason you were and you really want to spend a lot of time on that that might be days weeks even years because once you get started ideally you don't want to flip-flop and I see a lot of entrepreneurs making this mistake what they'll end up doing is they'll try to be noticed within a particular crowd and in the world that's cluttered with all kinds of voices and they don't get noticed in a week they don't get noticed in a month or even in six months and they start assuming that what they're saying is not working They assume that people don't want to hear it or they assume that that maybe they're just not good at that thing and they should switch gears and try try something else. And that might be true. But before you believe that to be true, you have to ask yourself whether or not you're just getting impatient. And because I have found that, as we all know, it's like with all the clutter that's happening out there today and with all the people that are trying to do the same thing and everyone's trying to become an entrepreneur and everyone's trying to become a superstar on YouTube, whatever it might be, You know, you need to be true to your offering. So it doesn't really matter what you want to do in business. It could be selling pool tables online. It could be opening up your own retail store. Um, You just need to make sure that you don't just flip-flop out of that idea simply because it's not working straight away. Because people out there today, they need to hear about you a gazillion times before they finally go, oh, you know what? I should buy a pool table from that guy, or you know what? That woman I know, um, I think she sells sustainable clothing, or I think that she sells clothing that is made uh, locally, or whatever it might be. And finally, they get it. And then, when they finally come over to your store and they buy that clothing, or when they finally buy that pool table, you are then, you have to make sure you are able to stay in touch with them. Okay, so an example of this, I was speaking about this with someone yesterday. I do an event each year where I try to attract an audience of a thousand people. We're raising money for a big charity. Now, if I look at those people as just people who are going to come to my event once a year, I'm going to approach my relationship with them uh, from one angle. But if I see them as customers for life, people that are going to come back to every event every year and then maybe start buying other products that we are uh, selling that support that event or that are affiliated with that event – automatically that's going to change the way I engage them in the relationship I build with them. So you need to be very clear on what it is that you want to sell or what kind of service you want to provide, then understand your why, and then be very clear in the messaging, knowing that you've only got a very short amount of time with each individual to get their attention, and then to not give up on that messaging just because it doesn't work in the first three months or six months. Keep going with it. Eventually you'll start seeing those numbers changing, you will start getting more attention. You will start making money. And then when they do finally buy, you need to make sure you've got a plan in place to engage them forever. Don't just let them come into your store and buy a shirt and leave. You need to be them, they need to be on your database. You need to be sending them a blog once a week. You need to be making sure you're sending them a friggin Christmas card once a year. I don't care what it is, stay engaged with that customer because that customer, when you finally get them and you've cut through the clutter, they can be there for life.
0: So let's break it down. You need to be authentic. You need to be patient, consistent. And once you get those people in the door, eyes on your website, you need to actually deliver on that brand promise, Stuart, right? That's it.
1: That's it. Too many people are very good at being able to get people to their website. And most people are very bad at keeping them there.
0: Yeah. Uh, Were you speaking in generalities with the annual event or uh, specifically, do, do you have an event that you do every year? Yeah, you know, the one big event, i produce produced quite a few different smaller events, but the one that uh, is worth noting
1: is something called the Top 10 event. And this is where we take uh, 10 celebrated Canadians, we give them 10 minutes each, and the tagline is 10 hearts left on stage. And our goal with this speaking event is to take people from all walks of life. So we get the politician, we get the singer, we get the uh, entrepreneur, we put them on stage and we say, you've got 10 minutes to just pour your heart out. And hopefully people are going to walk away with a message. Now, it could be something where, you know, you tell a story that inspires people or it could be something where you you give people shit for not caring about the environment. You know, it, it, it doesn't have to be just inspirational. It's got to be just something that makes people want to make a change in their lives. Maybe a little cathartic for some people, huh? Oh, God, it's amazing. <laughs> Every year you should see like uh, – it, 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 what it, what's nice about it is it puts these speakers out of their comfort zone. So a certain speaker, like for example, our headliner this year is Jim Cuddy, um, lead singer of blue rodeo. And so here's a guy who's used to just getting up on stage and singing and the audience goes crazy for him. And for good reason. Cause they're amazing. However, here's a guy. Now we want to say, Hey, you know what, Jim, like, let us, let's hear from you in a way that no one ever gets to hear from you. Like talk about maybe what it's like to be a father or talk about, what it's like to be famous, what you do and do not like. I mean, give us something from the heart that's going to make me maybe want to become a better father or make me want to work harder at my business or to be a better citizen within my neighborhood. And that's really what the event's all about. So we
0: try to uh, bring a thousand people out and and raise money. This year we're raising money
1: for an amazing organization called
0: Future Possibilities for Kids. Awesome. And uh, hopefully, Stuart, we could put some uh, links in the show notes about the event as well. I'd love that. Thank you. Yep, absolutely. Now, you're probably at the top of the list on a lot of people's influencers list, but are there any influencers that you follow online or otherwise for your own motivation and inspiration?
1: Oh yeah well you know it's funny I like to try to find influencers that are outside of the work that I'm doing so um, because I get to I'm, I'm lucky I get to meet a lot of people in the self-development industry just because of the nature of my job. Uh, one person that comes to mind who I like to uh, follow, um, and she's a huge influencer in the world of love and relationships, because I'm, sometimes I, I think that I figured it out, and sometimes I'm fumbling like a child when it comes to relationships. <laughs> and So uh, her name is Annie Lala, which is she's got such a cool name, it's easy to remember, um, and last name is L-A-L-L-A. Uh, Annie Lala is uh, based in New York City, and this woman is... Just a guru on what we need to understand when it comes to maximizing the success of the relationships that we have, uh, in this case with our intimate partners, but it all trans um transfers into other relationships that we create in our lives. Um, I'm trying to think of other influencers. A lot of the influencers that I meet are individuals that uh I, I get really excited about like, the people that you never hear about. Um, I, I love it when I go to an event and I end up meeting a guy who is steps away from finding the cure for HIV, or um, the individual that is working on a new battery that no one even knows about, and that battery is the battery that is going to revolutionize the way that Tesla um, you know, gets their cars onto the road. I find that those people are in fact the true influencers. And not to admit, not to say that the people that um, are out there in the public eye aren't obviously, I'd be discrediting myself if I if I thought that. But I do I do like these individuals that um, that don't get a lot of attention, and I in fact encourage people to seek those people out. Uh, and some, some some call them the nerds, some call them the geeks. Um, I just call them the you know the fabric that without them we'd be screwed.
0: Yeah, it's maybe tough for those people to create as much content and be out there in your face every day like a lot of the other influencers because they're working on the stuff. They're, they're just engrossed in the world that they're working in and don't have time for it potentially, right? Yeah,
1: and they're working on stuff that matters, that really matters.
0: Yep, yep, absolutely. Now, forgive me for jumping around. We're getting close to the end here, Stuart, but do you love to win or hate to lose and why? Oh,
1: great question. Um, I – oh, yeah, yeah, Wow. Which one? Which one is? Which one do I go with there? You know, I, I hate, I, I hate to lose. Yeah, I really do hate to lose. I've always had a very competitive nature. I'm the kind of guy that will play uh, in a recreational soccer league once a week, where it's men and women all over the age of forty who are playing a game that we're not even keeping score until the end, when we someone yells at, okay, next goal wins, and we could have known that our team has probably had more goals than that team, and yet that other team gets lucky and scores the last goal, and so technically they win, and that bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> now, it doesn't bother me for long, but I am the kind of guy that can wake up the next morning and think, oh, if we just did this in the last 60 seconds of the game, we could have turned it around, and, I, and we could have won. And even though it's like it's, I'm the guy probably who's put all the people together and they're all my friends, and so why would I want to win? Um, but, yeah, so I, I'm not a I'm, – I'm a – I can accept losing, but I don't love it. Um, And when it comes to winning, I think that the reason I love winning is because I have lost so many times. And I don't think that there's an entrepreneur out there that can say that they haven't. Uh, You know, there was a time when I was 28 years old, I was $250,000 in debt, and was probably going to go bankrupt. But I managed to turn it around at that time and and move ahead and and get through it. Um, That was a big loss. Or there are moments in my life where I've been really depressed, believing that I'm not going to make it, or believing that I'm not worth. Um, being successful, and and that was a loss. Or times in my life where I've I've had to miss things because financially um, I didn't have the money to be able to go to that wedding on the other side of the country that my friend is getting married in because I don't have the money to get on a, on the plane, and that was a loss. And so because there's so many of those losses you have to go through when you're building your business, eventually when you get to the point where you you know you don't have any debt anymore, you've got employees and you've got offices and you're now very successful. Those wins are so wonderful, and I really try to take the time to engage in those wins because, um, and I do that usually right before I go on stage, I'll close my eyes and I'll just say, thank you for this, that these people want me to come to India or they want me to come out to, you know, Malta or Edinburgh or other places I've been to recently. And they actually want to hear what I have to say when there was a time when no one wanted to hear what I have to say. And those are the best wins. And I love those wins.
0: Yeah, we talked about it a bit before we started recording and a little bit throughout here. You just don't want to feel too entitled. you got to be gracious and show that gratitude for all of the great things that you've created in your life, Stuart, right? Absolutely. I remember
1: uh, J- uh, Jerry Seinholt once said this. Someone said, do you still get nervous after all the thousands of shows you've done? And he says, oh, my God, I still get just as nervous today when I go on stage as I did when I was first starting
0: as a comedian. Yeah. And he said, if I, ever,
1: if I ever stopped being nervous, he says, that would mean
0: I'd stop caring. Those guys are a special kind of neurotic. <laughs> yeah, are they ever? Absolutely. Now, Stuart, give us something actionable. What do you do to wind down after a long or stressful day?
1: To me, you know, everybody who wants to be successful as an entrepreneur, wants to be successful or happy in life. You need to be able to identify those things that bring you joy, and for and it's individual for everyone. For some, it's watching documentaries. For some, it's reading fantasy books. For some, it's it's uh, surfing. Whatever that thing happens to be for you, you need to carve time out. Either every day, if it's something small like reading your your fantasy book or watching a documentary, or if it's big like going out and hitting the waves and surfing, you need to be doing that at least once a week. And if you identify what those things are and write them down, and if you can look at yourself at the end of the week and say, I've done those things, what you've done is you've allowed yourself to wind down. You've allowed yourself to de-stress. You've allowed yourself to keep focused. Because a lot of people, they think that if, as an entrepreneur, that if they don't just do everything for the company every single minute of the day and they actually allow themselves to read a book or to watch a documentary, that they don't think that they deserve success. And uh, nothing can be further from the truth. It's actually um, mandatory in order to be successful. I don't know anyone who's a huge success as an entrepreneur who doesn't carve out time every single day to, to wind down and to have a glass of wine if that's what they like or to do those things that bring them joy. That's so important. So for me, it's, it's reading fantasy books. I love fantasy books. Um, it's uh, spending time with my child. It's uh, literally just sitting on my back deck and drinking a glass of wine and just being quiet and staring at the stars.
0: Now, let's boil this thing down for our listeners. What is the one piece of advice you want to share about the importance of creating those powerful relationships in both our businesses and our lives?
1: Okay. Well, you know, I've, I've written a book on this, and, and I mean, we can talk about that later. But obviously, I, to segue into that, yeah, one of my books being, you know, You Should Have Asked, The Art of Powerful Conversation. And I wrote that book because I honestly, Rob, I believe that we are facing one of the biggest epidemics of our time, and most people don't even know it. And that is that we don't talk to each other. And when we do talk to each other, we don't speak to each other about things that are meaningful. We talk about the weather. We talk about construction. We talk about traffic. We talk about maybe, you know, just our jobs. And what we miss is the opportunity to connect. And I've always said that, you know, in business, for example, anybody can talk business. You can talk about your product. You can talk about your service until you're blue in the face. But so can your competition. So do you know how to talk life? Do you know how to speak to that client or that customer or that service provider or that vendor, whoever it is that is influencing your success in business, and do you know how to make them feel important? Do you know how to make them like you? Do you know how to make them respect or admire or value you as a person? And the only way you can make them feel that way about you is to talk to them in a human level and to talk to them about the things that they're excited about or their fears or their frustrations or the things that happened to them when they were a kid that were funny little moments of their lives. Those connections allow you to create a commonality and those kinds of people who feel that way about you, they wanna do business with you. They wanna recommend you to people in their network. They wanna do repeat business and they wanna stay loyal to you when their competition comes along and starts trying to pluck them away from you. And in your personal life, the same is true. When it comes to speaking to your significant other, your kids, your neighbors, your friends, whoever it might be, your fellow students that you go to school with, all of these individuals are literally influencing the opportunity that comes to to you in your life, the joy that comes to you in your life, the um, way that you see life, the way that you interpret life. And you're never going to give them the opportunity to do that if you don't engage them in powerful conversations about religion or politics or sex or money or business or family. Those kinds of conversations will lead you into sculpting yourself into a person that is so much more interesting and someone who understands life on such a deeper level. And you're going to miss that if all you do is talk about the weather or just your job every time you see those people in your personal life as well. So you need to ask the big
0: questions because big questions will lead you to big answers and big answers will lead you to a big life. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Don't take this stuff for granted. It's so important to connect on a meaningful level. And Stuart, I think we have done that today. Now, if people want to connect with you and learn more about you and the two books you've written, how do they find you? Uh, the best place to go to, I always say, is just to go to StuartKnight.com. That's stuartknigh
1: Uh Or you can follow me on Twitter, Stuart underscore Knight. Uh, send us an email. One thing you'll find with us, folks, is that uh, we'll always do the best that we can reply. I don't think there's anybody ever anyone we haven't responded to. And when you go to the website, you can sign up for the newsletter there and you can get my weekly or biweekly videos. That are all meant to inspire you and to make you laugh and to make you want to engage in life in a very positive way. So that's the best place to get in
0: touch with us. And hopefully quit smoking as well to all the smokers out there, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How much evidence do you guys need? My
0: goodness. (laughs) Stuart, a very inspiring conversation today. Thank you for taking the time to join me on Bidzy Small Business Society. Really appreciate it. You take care, man.
1: You know what? My pleasure, Rob. You are, uh, you're doing a great thing. You're a great host. You ask great
0: questions. And so I look forward to connecting with you sometime face-to-face in the, new, in the near future. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to Bidzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at bidsy.com. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society.